Hello and welcome to the Rebel Entrepreneur Podcast. We're excited to be back with an episode about the future. How do you create the future? And that's actually one of my favorite expressions is the extraordinary belongs to those that create it, which is basically the same as saying the future belongs to those that create it. What's the most reliable way of predicting the future? Just to build it yourself then you have control. So stop messing about and let's build an extraordinary future for your business, for our business, and for what we're doing. That's the point of this episode. Now, you may know that Simon, my co-founder of Rebel Business School, and I are huge fans of questions. So we have some fabulous questions for you today to get you thinking about the future of your business. And I have two people here to help me with the podcast today. So I have back with me the new CEO of Rebel Business School, Mr. Henry Nicholson. I think that's the first time I've heard it out loud. Uh, Exciting, terrifying, exciting, but very, very happy to be here. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I'm excited to have you here, Henry. It's going to be really good. And we also have with me my fourth favorite person in the world, ex-CEO and co-founder of Rebel Business School, Simon Payne. Oh man, I went to fourth. What do I need to do to get to one other than get Katie Donegan in a headlock? (laughs) How lovely to be here up until that intro. How lovely. (laughs) I'm excited to have you here. Uh, I'm excited to have you both here. So we have a bunch of questions that we've been asked about our business that we've started to think through to capture our thinking for the future of Rebel Business School. And I thought it would be cool to share those questions with you to inspire you to think about the future of your business, your life, where you are going. And we are going to banter about our answers, which hopefully will inspire you with some thoughts of answers for your business. Now, I'm going to give you the questions up front. Then Henry is going to run them through and we're going to talk about them and then we'll summarize at the end. You might want to capture the questions and actually write your answers down, not just think them. One of my favorite expressions is when you are writing, you are freezing your thinking. Because when you answer a question and then you think about it, the thoughts spin in your head and it's hard to get to grips with them. Whereas when you put them on paper, you're freezing those thoughts and you can look at them, analyze them, think about them and see them from different directions. So I'd highly recommend writing your answers to these questions. So here you go. We're going to go through these questions and set them all up for you. So question one, what is the end goal for your business? And how do you define the end goal? Number two, why is the mission of your business important in the first place. Number two B, number three, so what? Like, so what? Why is that important? Uh, Number four, second follow-up question, why does it matter that you're doing this mission? Why does it matter? Number five, if your business ceased to exist tomorrow, what would that mean for you personally? What would it mean for everyone else? And in real practical terms, what would be your next steps? Number six, imagine it's December 31st, 2029, which is five years in the future. You're reflecting on your business's journey and the steps that got you there. You're soaking in where you are on that journey at the moment. Tell us what that is. Number seven, 
What's the best case scenario you can imagine for your business? Make it vivid, describe it in as much detail as you can. Number eight, what's the worst case scenario for your business? Can you imagine it? Make it clear. And then number nine, how likely is each scenario and how do you take steps to differ the lead up to these two different scenarios? Basically, how are you going to make sure the good stuff happens rather than the bad stuff? That's the basis of it. So there's the questions. So I am now going to relinquish power and hand over to Henry, who's going to guide us through the podcast. Do not let it go to your head, Henry. You are in control. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm super... I really like these episodes because, as you said, we love questions. We absolutely love questions, especially ones like... I don't know about you guys, but I found these super, super hard. These have really challenged me. They cha- they're challenging questions. They're questions that I've not been asked before, especially not um, in the context of Rebel. Like, how did you guys find them? Like, Simon, what was your initial reaction when, when these questions got slapped in front of you? They were easy. I don't know what you're talking about. I found them really, really easy. And probably, it probably took me about two or three minutes to write them down. Um <laughs> No, Henry, I've been right. sobbing into my hands for three weeks. <laughs> How about you, Alan? <laughs> uh, I actually, like, I'm fairly clear on what I think my answers are. I think I've been thinking in these terms for a long time. And like, it took me an hour or two to write my answers. But I felt like it flowed quite easily. And I felt like I had a clear direction in my head, which I'm actually quite excited to share with you because i don't think this is something we often do like as a team Mm. we don't often think about these questions and go where are we actually going and we're all heading there i think one of us thinks about it and then tells the others and then maybe they follow maybe they don't sometimes we're a bit disjointed but i think that's human beings in general so i'm excited to see see if we can find some alignment or not yeah i think there's like a a a, a organic process of you know getting out of the day-to-day exploring some some big stuff but i don't think it's it's not it's not really with an end in mind so much it's more like actually we need to adjust our course don't we because here's this opportunity or this is happening in the world or actually you know we've learned this from our operations so we we sort of we might do three to five year thinking but it's super interesting to explore these so henry you're in charge god help us (laughs) get used to it get used to it cool so let's let's just dive let's dive straight in and again I'm, I'm super excited like continuing on from the last episode like let's properly get under the hood of rebel and and see where you know where we've come from where we're at and where we want to go and where we're thinking about going and i would say we that's probably like an i joke that's an i joke sorry henry please go on don't start singing um i think we we probably don't do this as much as we should I think like reflecting and, and figuring out where we want to be going. And, you know, if you, if you put point a ship at its end destination, it requires constant adjustment and constant change of direction. It's never going to flow straight in the, in one straight line. And it's exactly the same with business. So this is so important to keep going back to this. Anyway, I'll stop waffling and I'll ask you some questions. So um, starting right at the top, what is the end goal for rebel as a business? What's the end goal for us? And, and how do you define those end goals? Well, I think I immediately thought there is no end goal. Uh, I thought this question, like, there is no end goal. It's an infinite game. And my thought was, 
we have to undo the cultural and school training and business training and training from the media that people are given. And we have to undo what they've taught people. And people keep get ta- they keep getting taught things that are unhelpful in their progress. They get taught that the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. They get taught that they need business plans and debt to build a business. They get taught this stuff. And we have a never ending factory line of people coming out with education with bad ideas that we need to work to change and we need to get used to the fact that the work will never be done and we need to enjoy playing the game as we're doing it now that being said it is useful for have an idea of where we're heading so i had sort of three different things that i think we're heading for the first was a world where business loans aren't needed and people believe they can start a business without any money. And how would we know if we reached it? Well, you'd go out and ask people, like, how do you start a business? And they would say, sales, not debt. Don't be a fool. That would be a simple (laughs) way to test. Uh, Number two is a world where people believe they can be wealthy, that they can make money doing something they enjoy, save it, invest it, and create the finances they want. And how would we know? Well, we'd survey people and believe, see if they believe the saying, it takes money to make money. And if I've smashed that belief, hopefully they're doing their own thing. And the third is a world where people believe it's possible to build their version of an extraordinary life. They think about what they want. They go for it. People are confident, happy. They're building cool stuff. They're having fun. A world of happy, confident people that work towards a brighter future for themselves and all of mankind. So there you go. Those were my thoughts. That was my answer. It's a fairly question that I don't think we'll ever finish. But it's it's rubbish. Fun for it. No, I didn't like it. Didn't follow, like it. Follow that, Simon. So I've written down... Uh, <laughs> I just look at my notes here. Like, there's, I think I've, I've got one answer. My answer is, is similar to yours. And I, I spent some time exploring whether there is an end game, and if there was an end game, what might that look like? And I think we sort of tentatively thought over the years. You know, what if we sold the business? What would that look like? And I can remember uh, uh, Henry asking you a really challenging question, like, what would the number be, Alan? You know, he's like, everyone's got a number. <laughs> what would your number be? which I thought was hilarious and mischievous. And that was, that's probably a good seven, eight years ago, but we've not really had that conversation. I think we've had a few kind of indicative conversations about we're not, this isn't a business that you sell, is it? Cause it's a business that's trying to make the world a better place. And it needs to be something that continues and grows and supports the people that work for it and continues to scale the number of people that it supports over time. So like my answer to this was, to, like the end game for Rebel is to make it possible for anyone who wants it to create the life that they want, whatever that means for them, whether that means starting a business, whether that means solving mental health challenges, whether that means uh, winning the money game, or at least feeling like you've got a seat at the game table, which many of the people that we meet don't feel that they have. So I think, you know, continuing that that journey of of helping make it possible for people to create the life they want is 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 an infinite game because well for a whole bunch of reasons but the world is changing so fast at the moment and and i can see right in front of my eyes people being left behind more and more and more so that was my answer 
and we never leave a man behind, never leave a human behind. Help them, help those people. I love that answer, Simon. It seems like we're fairly on the same page here. Yeah. Uh, Henry, did you journal about this answer? I did, and annoyingly, you've said all of it. Uh, like I, you know, I was sort of landing with the same, exactly the same thing of like that. Really, like change is possible for anyone regardless of the starting point regardless of their position and you know it's it's what we've been working on for such a long time and and as you say that is an infinite game and and I and I was actually going to bring that up you know when I when I asked that question to Alan like what what would the number be would you sell it for a million and he went no would you sell it for five million he went no what about eight million he was like well I just don't want to and I said yeah but if you sold it you could just start it again but bigger because you'd have more money and then he stopped and paused and thought about it, which I thought was very was good like, fun. Yes, sell it now. Sell now. I'll have the 8 million and I'll build an even bigger version. Because 8 million, well, if you invested that 8 million, which we'll come on to, you'd get 40 grand a year from each million. So what's 8 fours? 32. So you'd have 320 grand a year to be able to perpetually do good work in the world. Like that's not a bad version and that's creating an FI version of the school mm. but we'll come on to that but i think it's a really interesting question that you asked and pressed me on which is going to come up i'm sure yeah and 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 the, the part of this question about like how do you define end goals it kind of threw me into a different space where i was i was kind of going actually what what are the end goals of a business like generally speaking not just for us um and the, and the three main ones that i sort of landed on were um building a business to sell which you know there's a whole bunch of stuff you've got to do basically the business has to pass the revolver test um, um, and for those of you who don't know, if you put a put a revolver to the head of the business owner, does it still operate? Yes or no? If no, you ain't going to sell it very easily. You're now the business owner. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. Uh -oh. Uh, and then, so so there's build to sell, build to create a legacy, and it's that um, that sort of lasting impact that we've we've been talking about. Um, and actually, the other one, which which I've I've seen a lot in our small businesses and our micro businesses and like sole traders is um just killing it off because sometimes there is a point where you go like i'm i'm done now and i don't really want to go through the faff of doing stuff because and so I, and i did this with my web design company i just ended it I, it served me well i made a bunch of money i did what i wanted to do but then more important things came around so i just ended it and and the the beautiful thing about the rebel methodology of starting debt free means that i can just do that and i think it's that extra layer of freedom that that we're we're enabling people to have, and I, I really like freedom. For me, we we've not ever really put freedom into a lot of our literature and, and things like that. But I think freedom is at the core of what we're enabling people to do because we're giving them the freedom to change, giving them the freedom to create incredible, extraordinary lives, um, but also to choose what they're doing in any given moment. Um, and I think that's just so empowering, so empowering. So there was mine. Love it. Uh, love it love it love so, it so we'll dive into question two so why is the rebel mission important in the first place now this one i did find a little bit challenging and i'm not sure why because i feel like it's a straightforward question but i still found it quite hard like simon i'll throw this uh to you initially like why is the rebel mission important without the pace of change in the world and all of the volatility of economics and war and artificial intelligence like take that away if that if, if none of that stuff was happening there would still be millions of people around the world stuck 
lost uh, and devoid of hope, right? And I think for me, what Rebel Business School does is it offers hope where there is none. It offers practical steps where there where there aren't any. And in fact, the practical steps that we offer tend to be the opposite of what all other forms of support and education tend to resemble. Now, look, it's different strokes for different folks. There are some people out there that go, do you know what, Simon? I would love to spend the next six weeks of my life writing a 48-page business plan that I'll never use. Uh, but actually, that's the route that I'm going down because I'm trying to raise capital or I'm, and that's just what I want to do, and that's fine. But what we're doing is that we're providing an alternative to, to this. And if you sprinkle on top the, the craziness that's happening in the world right now, you know, I'm so proud of the, like the majority of the businesses that we helped to start during COVID are still here now, right? And they're here now because uh, Alan went to Business Link, got told you needed money to start a business. And he said, no, you don't. And, you know, the th some 30,000 people that we've trained in um, taking control of finances and starting a business in the last 10 years has given given ordinary people the resilience to be able to survive life's knocks and create the life that they want. So when you add to that artificial intelligence, war, um, cost of living crisis, et cetera, et cetera, all of the stuff that none of us saw coming, suddenly what you see is, that is, a, is a dramatic reduction in low and middle income jobs that will happen over the next decade, right? And it's already happening. And you know, Amazon making you know, tens of layoffs, hundreds of layoffs of people that would normally have been employed in those roles. So, so actually, the time to do what we do has never been more important. It's never been more important. And actually, if we don't do this, what's the alternative? What's the alternative is actually quite scary. So, so, so helping people find a direction and helping them to, to make it real quickly without getting into debt for me, is is at its core, and I and I'm, I don't know, I'm getting a bit ranty, so I'll pause there for a second. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I think why is the, the mission important in the first place to me is because I was helped by self development books, CD sets, and courses that I went on that changed my life, and then I'm like, this stuff's amazing. Why isn't this taught at school? Why, why did I have to like be lucky enough that someone forced a book on me? I'm going to make it my mission to go and teach the world everything that's helped me. Like, why is it important? Because it doesn't get taught at school. It doesn't get taught at university. Like pockets of it do. There's good professors. There's, but it doesn't get taught. It's just not out there. So why is it important? because it's not there and someone needs to share the message of possibility, hope and practical steps to creating the life you want. So why is it important? Because no one else is doing it. We've got to do it. We've got to build that stuff. And that's, that's why I think the rebel mission is important in the first place. Yeah. I love what you said. And you just reminded me, Al, that between us, um, well, between the three of us, we've spent thousands and thousands of pounds and invested thousands of hours of time you know over the last 20 or so years and lots of people a don't even know that it exists and if they did know that it exists it's financially 
out of reach. Prohibitive, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that I guess that answers part of the so what, I, you know. There's probably well, another so what coming. Well, the next question is, so what? And I think I had a rant at this point. So what? So what? Were you not listening? It's so that we can help people have a better life. They can be free of the cultural rubbish that we're taught, that we shouldn't shout about our successes, that we shouldn't talk about our money, that we shouldn't be too enthusiastic and happy with life. Like this cultural rubbish needs to be torn down so that people are free to create the lives they actually want to create. And then like you can feel the energy we have. That's what then drives the business. That's what then drives... That's what gets us out of bed. That's what makes us do this. For me, I am in 32-degree heat, sweating in Thailand to do this podcast because it's the only place with good Wi-Fi doesn't have air conditioning. So it doesn't matter what it is, I'm going to do it because of this stuff. This is what gives us the motivation and energy to push through and actually make a difference. I think, yeah, for me, it sort of comes from the other side as well, like not in the the positive impact that we're able to have. I think for me, I get a lot of, of energy from knowing that people are in massive danger if we don't do what we do. And our mission is so important because people are at risk and, and people are at risk anyway, regardless of if they're trying to go through uh, starting a business. You know, we, we've got people that are, have really, really complex challenges and, and lives that when you're in them are really, really difficult to unpick and there's lots of stuff to to happen. And I think one of the things that I fell in love with when I when I first joined Rebel is that there was no problem too difficult. There was no question too ridiculous. There was no like I I I remember being in an empty shop unit in Croydon talking to a lady about the fact that her landlord was trying to kick her out. And in the same day we got on the phone to the landlord persuaded them to let her stay so that she could start her business and earn the money to pay rent. And she's still there now and she's still trading and she's got this incredible business. Um, and she's got her own shop now in, in uh, Croydon. And without that, like business support mechanisms don't do that. Nobody does that. Like, and, and I think for me, you know, if, if we didn't do what we did, if we do, if if we don't do this, people are in danger because people are at financial risk. People are, haven't got the information accessible to them. As you say, Alan, you are fortunate that somebody put a book in your hand. Not everybody has that same opportunity. Go on, Al. I was there for that, that particular bit, and I remember the lady coming to me and saying, and we sat down in coffee break, and it, like, that was always what it was about. I don't care what the problem is. Let's help you fix it. And actually the next question is like why does that matter and i wrote some of what you're talking about which is because people are getting into debt building businesses and screwing up their lives people are borrowing money people are making really bad financial decisions they're doing the best they can but they're making bad financial decisions because my family was ripped apart by money because i don't want it to happen to anyone else because one in five relationships end because of money and that might be because they've started a business. It might be because they made bad decisions. Who knows? Because we can help people to be happy. And we have the ideas and the energy and we've learned how to do some of this. It's not like we're perfect, but I've learned to be good with money. 
I've learned how to start businesses and you can learn pretty much anything. Uh, there are plenty of things I haven't learned, but we've got other people to help with that. But we have so much value to deliver to the world. So why does it matter? Because without us, I don't know if you remember, like simple things. I don't know if you remember this, Henry, from Westminster, the first ever Westminster event with Westminster Council. I love those guys. Katie was there helping us. And there was this lady who came to us and goes, like, I need your help with VAT returns. Katie, you're good at maths. I remember. Katie I remember. It. Yeah. And this lady had been filling out a nil VAT return for how many years? I can't remember how many years. It was like five years or something. Yeah. Five years she's been doing VAT returns. And she was scared of making a sale because she didn't know how to fill in a VAT return. And Katie was like, you don't even need to be VAT registered until you're 80 grand. But some traditional advisor had got them to VAT register immediately because that was probably on their list of things that they had to show they'd done. And she trapped that lady for five years. And it took Katie filling out the form with her to get her unregistered to free her to get on and grow her business. And I think people get trapped and we need to unwind the bad education that's given out by other places to help people be free to actually do things. Yeah, no, but I just wanted to build on what you said, Henry, because it is about helping people to avoid the bad outcomes. Like we don't just inspire, let's help you avoid some traps, some things, some landmines we've stepped on over the years ourselves that have cost us time and money. Like let's help you avoid those and show you a path through to where you want to there we are if we've got anything to add simon should we move on to the next question i'm on the verge of getting rancy i'm going to save it for the next question don't worry <laughs> i knew i could see it in your face <laughs> I, lo I love all of this stuff and yeah the, I, i'm loving this episode by the way just like pausing that for everybody i'm loving this episode so Cool. Next question. If Rebel ceased to exist tomorrow, what would that mean for each of us individually, each of us personally? What would that mean for everybody else? Uh, in real practical terms, like what would be your next steps? Like Simon, I'll throw this one to you. In danger of being it being ranty. What? <laughs> like, where did this question take you? Like, what, what was the journey you went on with this? I think my immediate reaction was oh my, that's a question, isn't it? There might have been inserts some other words because actually, you know, I'm still very grateful to Rebel Business School that it provides me with the income that helps me pay my bills and take care of my family. So if Rebel ceased to exist tomorrow, I would have a, a pressing income need because I've got a fairly short runway of an emergency fund at the moment. So I guess... Uh, I think like my immediate reaction was, oh, I, I'd have to go and get a job. What? <laughs> and then I went, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> There's absolutely no way that I'd be doing that. I'm, I'm mostly unemployable now. And, uh, and also, as you guys know, this, I think I could really resonate with um, the, the awesome co-founder of Starbucks that you had on in uh, one of the earlier shows, Alan. Zev Siegel, yeah, he's an awesome guy. Yeah, like Zev's like, he, Zev got out of Starbucks really, really early. Even as a co-founder, you go, 
Sev, Sev, why on earth did you leave? Like this has become one of the most famous brands in the world. Why would you even leave that when it was getting so exciting? He knew. He knew he's a startup guy, and he knew that uh, his skill set was perhaps you know more in the getting something going uh, and the excitement of that. Uh, processes do not excite him, and this is something that I've come to learn quite recently. And when I realized that I was holding back the development of the business because I know what processes we need. I even know how we need to do them. Am I the right person to do them? No. So like, uh, and I think, I think it just sort of reminded me of that. I've still got that, that uh, experimental fire within me. Like I'm, I'm messing around with like different business idea scenarios all the time because it helps inform me as a coach and a mentor and a trainer for, at the Rebel School. So I think what would probably happen is I'd pick one of those and then accelerate to cash and make sales very, very quickly. I'd probably be coaching and I'd probably be doing the stuff that I'm about to do more of with Rebel. So I think like it's kind of weird. It's like, a, um, it, and I dare say that there'll be some uh, some collaborations with uh, with the Rebel team to make it happen as well. So, yeah, I think I think I'd, I'd go into startup mode, sales mode immediately. Get on the phone, start dialing, start leaving messages. I'd just be I'm reaching out to people and making sales straight away if uh, if Rebel ceased to exist tomorrow. Which is a grown up answer. Mm. Like, the less than grown up answer is that like, I'd be booking a flight to find out wherever Alan is and go and hang out for a couple of weeks and chill <laughs> and work out what to do next. <laughs> I might do that anyway. I'll get to it. Yes, you should. Sounds way yeah. more fun. I'd like to delete my first answer. I'm going to fly <laughs> and hang out with Alan for a couple of weeks and work out what to do next. Ready? I come now. Uh, I think this is an interesting question. There's two bits. What would it mean for me personally? And then what would it mean for everyone else? I think I'd be worried more about everyone else. I kind of have faith because I feel that. Henry, the different people who work for the team, Jack, James, having worked for us, they've developed incredible skills and they could easily get decent jobs doing cool stuff and they'd probably make more somewhere else. So I don't have too much fear. I feel like Simon would, you know, build a startup business, do something cool and I'd help and give ideas. So I don't have too much fear. I feel like everyone would go off and do cool stuff. I think it would be sad because Rebel wouldn't continue to do what it does. But actually, for me, what would it mean for me personally? Like, I'd just make it happen myself. I've reached the stage of financial independence. So I'd be like, well, okay, Katie and I are putting the courses online for free now. We're building Rebel Finance School. We'd just accelerate our journey into being content creators and get the information out into the world anyway. And just because one structure ceased to exist, the mission and the need is still there. So I'd regroup with energy. I'd figure out a new game plan to help people around the world. I'd go bigger. I'd go harder. I'd just do my own thing. Like, realistically, my world would not change that much. And like, I'd hope we'd all still be friends and we'd hang out and just have breakfast and do cool stuff together. So I don't think actually much would change if Red Bull didn't exist. We'd just find a new way of doing the mission and hang out doing different things. Yeah, love that. I think my... Excuse me. My answer was actually along similar lines. My first answer was, where would he, where where would my emails go? There's so many of them. What would I do? 
the second answer was then uh, like what happens to everyone else, and, that, and and actually that's where my brain went to first. Honestly, is um, like I, I sort of got transfixed on what happens with everybody in the team, but also everybody that we're supporting because there are, you know there are some people that are in a stage where they need rebel to be able to figure out the next thing. And, and, you know, we know that after somebody comes on one of our courses, it's about a 12 month window that we've got them in and thinking about starting a business and that they'll come back and talk to us when it's, when the timing's right. Um, And it might be a little bit further than that now, but um, the last study I did was then. Um, And I just sort of went like, there'd be a big hole there'd be a massive massive hole and I don't know where I would point people to and I I know that you guys will find this as well like every time I go out and I meet new people and I tell them what I do they pretty much always say you know I've thought about starting a business so actually I do this on the side already like I'm already making tea towels like do you just get this it's it's just something that's like really deeply ingrained in 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 most people especially um post-pandemic so I think my first thing would be like, where do we point people at that point? Um, and, and I love what you said, Alan, that you just carry on doing it anyway. So that's answered that question for me, which is quite good. Um, <laughs> and, and then in terms of the team, I think um, actually a, a large part of my time would be spent with them, helping them find the next thing. Um, for me, part of me wants to just go and work in a coffee shop in like Cornwall and just calm for a long time and <laughs> just you know be by the beach go surfing or something um but i think i know that i would just get drawn back in i love the chaos i love busy i love impact and you know i think i would be i'd find myself in something else socially focused um probably along the same lines just helping people and i think that's been deeply ingrained in my philosophy for for my whole life is that helping other people is the way that the world works like without people we don't have a world um so yeah i don't really know i didn't really know the answer I, i've not really thought about it you know i've dabbled in brewing i've I've, pl- I've played around with websites and stuff um so yeah future is bright if that was the case but we're not going anywhere which can you actually surf i can't surf that's probably why that was near the top of my list that's yeah. Which kind of brings us on to the next question, doesn't it, Henry? Because the next question actually goes quite dark. Yeah. Uh, and again, found this one a challenge um, for multiple re- multiple reasons. So next question, philosophical question, pending the mission and pending next steps, can Rebel ever really die? Can Rebel ever really die? Alan, I'm going to pass one straight to you. Can Rebel die? The answer is yes, but I think it depends whether you're meaning the mission or the structure, because Rebel kind of lives within us and what we're doing. But the structure, yeah, I was like, well, okay, that's simple. We don't get the funding. And like, it's interesting at the moment, we're doing lots of bids and we're putting those bids out there and people are saying, well, what's your follow-up support like? And I'm like, you're not paying us to follow up with people. You're paying us for a course, but they want to know how much we're doing for people afterwards. And they expect us to do all this stuff and not to have to pay. Like there's a team of, was it 12, 14 people in the UK now? And you've got to pay salaries. They have mortgages. They have grocery bills. Like we need money to pay them. And like if the funding dries up, we don't have the people to do it. 
and our nature is to give away the courses and actually our altruistic nature sometimes causes us problems because you have companies go well you give the courses away for free why would i sponsor it and it's like that's not the point like come on mm. um the whole team aren't FI like Katie and I. They have mortgages and bills to pay. We have to pay Henry. He has to be able to afford his pizza habit. Like Halima, Jack, they don't do it for free. They can't. They have to pay. They have to have money. And, like, we're doing it for everyone. So, like, the structure of Rebel could die, but the mission lives on within us, and we'd still be out there doing good. Hmm. The good news is we don't have to worry about my pizza habit anymore because I'm lactose intolerant. Simon, where did this question take you? <laughs> it took me to a cheese factory, Henry. That's where it took me. Uh, I loved your answer, Alan. I, I think it's I'm totally with you on that. The infrastructure of the business might disappear, but the the ethos of making it possible for anyone to have a go at something like. There's nothing more exciting for, for me, I'm sure I speak for you guys too, is when you, you come across somebody who's eager to learn something, who wants to try something, has got an idea, or they, they maybe they haven't even got an idea, but they just want to make a change, but they don't know where to start. That to me is like, okay, put rolling my sleeves up. You are my gift. And, you know, buckle up, Dorothy, because we're off to Kansas, right? It's like, I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, But I think the... I had the three C's as my answer for this. The three C's, which are cash flow, competition, and catastrophe. Those are the three things that could um, that could take the business structure down. Cash flow, like exactly as you pointed out, Alan, like funding, the funding world changes, and us being able to articulate what it is that we do clearly to a funder who wants to buy something else. They want the outcomes that we deliver, but they don't want it delivered in the way that we deliver it. They want like for a great example. There was a, a, a tender that got released um, uh, in uh, one of the countries near England that wasn't England, and that tender was measuring business plan completion numbers as a measure of success. Now they said that they wanted inclusive enterprise. They said they wanted disadvantaged people supported and we would say well you ain't going to support anybody with a business plan so then that becomes an existential crisis for us do we play the game in order to get the funding tick some boxes with a basic business plan and then go and do what we would do or is it a fundamental value clash and you know and I, I know that you know we've had that conversation about anti-values and that to us felt like it was not something that we 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 would do um so anyway Going sideways into competition, there are more businesses now saying they do what we do than there's ever been. And I think I've noticed that growth in competition. And they're quite slick and they're quite well funded. Um, they're, they're not as altruistic uh, from what I can pick up. I'm generalizing. They don't have the same style, panache and charm of the Rebel Business School. But they are... You know, they are doing some work focused on supporting people in disadvantaged communities. Not with the same clarity, I don't think, not with the same values and so on, but that's interesting because they're eating our lunch. Uh, and then the third thing, catastrophe. I'm less I'm less concerned about that. You know, we've ridden one pandemic. Like, what else you got? Is that it? Is that what? Just a few lockdowns? I don't say that. Oh, 
Is that all you got? Oh, cost of living. Kaka. Oh, is that all you got? Oh, look, we've reinvented. We've created something new. So I think for me, the mitigation um, for some of that is, you know, we need to be creative. We need to be flexible. We need to be prepared to try new stuff. And we need to be focused on sales. That's it. Love it. Uh, focused on sales just makes my heart sing because that's how we're going to bring the cash flow in, keep the company going, build the money to make the engine work. Sales is the heart of it. Sales is the heart of a business. And if you're listening to this, sell something, get out there. Henry, keep going. <laughs> I'll dive into the next question because I like both of your answers absolutely in line, absolutely in line with, with my thinking. I think structurally, yes, Rebel could disappear from a mission and an ethos like the people we engage with most of the people that we engage with are rebels already and they're already thinking in a similar way they just need some of the information we just need to unlearn some of that stuff that they've been given um but i think i think you're right i think as a business there's still some stuff that we're a little bit clunky with that uh if the three of us were to disappear it would have a bit of a hard time um so we're, we're sort of working on that revolver test bit. And that's that's actually one of my my biggest goals, short-term goals um, in the CEO position. But then I think, yeah, as an ethos, Rebels living forever. Such a strong legacy and, and it's so important what we do. Um, so I'm going to dive into the next question. Now, I was never really good at uh, English when I was at school. So um, I might struggle to read this one because it's quite a complex sentence, I think is this word. Uh, so imagine it's December 31st, 2029. So five years in the future. You're reflecting on your rebel journey, the steps that got you there, and you're soaking in where you are on the journey at this moment in time. Which is basically a five year in the future question. So for everyone listening yes. to this, it's basically like project out five years. How did you get to this dream location? That's basically what the question is. Uh, and then it you allows you to come back to now and create a step-by-step -step plan to create the future you want, which I've done this exercise for about 15 years, inspired by Jim Rohn the first time. And it's a wonderful exercise. Every year I write, the now the time is December 31st next year. What happened this year? Every year I do it. Uh, and it is a wonderful exercise. So uh, I am excited to hear your answers. Right. So imagine that it's December 31st, 2029. Five years from now, you're reflecting on your journey, the steps that got you there. And you're soaking in where you are on the journey at that moment in time. Alan, you do this thinking. <laughs> I do this thinking regularly. Um, and it's interesting. So in terms of a multiverse, there's actually many timelines that could get you into the future. And there's many five-year points you could reach at. You'd like Life is so exciting. Five years out is a long way. But here's one that came to me as I wrote it and I was very excited about. And it started with Katie and I wrote, uh, we're writing our finance book at the moment. We get that out into the world. It becomes a bestseller, has a huge impact. Uh, we get acknowledged in different wards and places for the work we do, which boosts the whole of Rebel's profile, allows us to get more sponsors, people to pay for course. The podcast gets going and we're back on that. We're creating engaging content. Then we wrote the startup book. 
having learned from the finance book, we write the startup book, we get that out there, we create a bit of uh, bit of energy around what we're doing. We become the people to speak about business, finance, and creating an extraordinary life. We then take the money we're making on that journey and we put it into a foundation to protect the work that Rebel does and allows it to pay people's salaries ongoing. So working towards the financially independent Rebel Business School, and then like five years out, Rebel has become financially independent. It's got the resources and the money to self-sustain through investments. This is my dream, so that we can perpetually give away the education for free to everyone, and it pays for the amazing team to create content and give it away. And that that was my five-year vision of where we're going that got me excited. I was like, I'd, I'd, I'd be sitting reveling with Simon and you in maybe Dishoom having a nice breakfast for coffee going, we've got this team, what magic can we create this year? Because we don't need to get sponsors. We can just give our education away. How can we make the most impact in the world? That, that for me would be the dream moment. Is that all? <laughs> when I... When I said you've probably thought about this, Alan, I didn't think you'd written the blueprint. (laughs) (laughs) That was an incredible answer, Alan. I'm really, really, I'm impressed with that answer. That was very, very good. Simon, follow that. Yeah, it's easy. I feel a bit (laughs) sorry for both of you, to be honest, for about what I'm about to say. Um, I mean, like to build on to build on Alan's answer, uh, I want to do for. Uh, mental health what uh him and katie have been really focused on doing for finance and what we've all been focused on for doing for business and you know fast forward to five or six years that book would have been a bestseller and it would have had a huge impact in people's lives and actually between us with such a unique group of people and with the with the wider rebel team we've got such a huge opportunity to just completely change the way people think about starting a business around managing their money and managing their own minds, which which I've learned, like you can have the best business idea in the world. You could even take loads of action, but you're going to be holding yourself back from making the right decisions about money, making the right decisions about your business. If you haven't got clarity of thought, if you're dealing with depression and anxiety and all that stuff. So I think like my, my sort of build on Alan's uh, five or six year plan kind of is that's the bit where I slot in. If I look at it through the lens of the structure of the business, I think the bits that jump out for me are uh, having a uh, a a tech infrastructure that enables us to reach more people and for us to do it in a way that doesn't lose the magic of what Rebel is all about, about helping the people game of Rebel. But, you know, if everyone's walking around with the app downloaded and whenever they want to learn something about money, or business or how to look after their minds they go well there's only one place i'm going to go and that's to the rebel app the information is there i also think that there's something about uh, content creation and something that you said a couple of times on this podcast alan i'm really interested in that because i think how we package and deliver our content i think there's a huge opportunity for us to get better at it we've never quite cracked the you know five or six zeros of reads we've already done it a couple of times you know of of likes and and comments and those posts that have gone viral i think more of that and i think thirdly 
an opportunity to get our content and our methodology uh, in 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 tens of countries in lots of different languages and made truly accessible to people that have got multiple barriers as well as uh, you know speaking different languages. So those would be my additions from a you know through the lens of the structure of the company. How am I going to follow both of those answers? We can't wait, Henry. This is the most unfair podcast I've ever been a part of. I think so. I think my answer actually, um, I, and I, do you know what I've noticed throughout this this episode? Actually, uh, the answers that we've all given have been ever so slightly different based on our positions in the company, and and I, I think that's super. I just find that interesting because fascinating. Um, so for me, I actually kind of went really, really granular, sort of more detail focused on this. And I think in five years, I I want us to have 10 times, at least 10 times our impact. And by 10 times in impact, I mean the amount of people through courses, the amount of available resource we've got, the amount of courses we're running, the amount of content that we've got available, the amount of cash we've got in the bank. So, you know, as you were talking about, Alan, so we've got that autonomy, that freedom to actually go out and do what we know we need to be doing rather than pandering to whatever cash is available at the time. Um, and, and, you know, just having like really, really strong delivery and, and, and an app has been in my mind, Simon, as you, as you mentioned, um, we're about to launch uh, one of the most exciting projects for a long time, um, Rebel Plus. And I just want to see all of this stuff thrive, you know, and, and I, I, I would absolutely love it if in five years, we had truly, truly accessible support across all of the different types of courses that we run, extraordinary life, finance school, business school, dive into employment, dive into well-being, just making this information accessible and empowering to anybody that may need it in whatever scenario, wherever in the world that they are. And, you know, our courses currently are excellent. The format doesn't necessarily work for everybody. It's all accessible. It's all free. You know, ten till three during the day doesn't always work. So I'm I'm super excited in five years for us to have a really diverse delivery method, really really tight business that truly truly ten times our impact and delivers world changing support. And yeah, small job. Small job. for me. <laughs> Wouldn't like to lead that. Who's doing that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, but I'll let you know when I find out. Yeah, I. I just, so we've just got such an incredible group of people, an incredible product. And, you know, the amount of times that, that we've not necessarily delivered the best course in the world, but the content, you can just tell the impact just from the content itself carries people on and inspires people, let alone all of the work that we do around that to make the the events incredible. Um, and, I, and I, you know, the other bit that I haven't actually mentioned, which I'm really excited about, which you've started talking about, is doing those really big events you know not just the like hyper local courses like let's do a big let's do a 2000 person course over five days that massively shifts how how business is taught and and, and you know that's the, that's the way that we're going to be doing that and i think one of the quotes um alan from your friend uh pete money mustache that he said is like you'll never change the world 30 people at a time live in a community center we have to do bigger we have to do something else we have to add a new layer of impact to what we do and i think that's where we're headed um so in five years that's where i want i want to be able to look back and go 
yeah, we've truly, truly made change accessible to everybody, regardless of where they are. I would just add a caveat because I think Pete is right. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't go into a community help centre and help 30 people at a time because those people won't come to a giant all singing and dancing course. They won't come to different things. So I think it's always that way, isn't it? It's like, well, yes, you can go bigger and scale, but you'll leave some people behind. So why not do both? Let's do the 30 people community. Exactly. And do the bigger stuff. Yeah, so I think yeah. brings us on to like the next question, which was the best case scenario. Can you imagine it? Can you make it vivid? And I think we've described some of it, all of us. I had a go at like just summarizing it. For me, rebel school, rebel is financially independent. Our focus is entirely on creating and giving away the best education free in the world ever. That's our focus. Our focus is on giant events, fun stuff, creating the coolest videos, movies, content that inspires and changes the world. We have a fully funded team of creators and teachers that perpetually help people around the world to become the best versions of themselves. And I just, that's the cool, like, can you imagine sitting around just brainstorming? How can we have more impact? Let's make a movie this year with the team. Let's do this. Let's do that. Um, how can we reach more people? Well, the community centers, let's go into these five random community centers that never have funding and never have help, but we'll just do it because it's the right thing. That feels like the best case scenario, like getting the finances in order to allow us to freely do the job. I love that. I love that. Simon, what about you? What do you think the best case scenario? I don't think I'd change anything to what Alan just said. That to me sounds hugely exciting. And, uh, you know, the idea came up a few years ago of uh, a fully financially independent business school. There's a couple of foundations in the UK that are in a similar but different space to us that exist because of a trust fund legacy and they don't have to make any income. And they've got sufficient income from investments that that means they keep their infrastructure and are able to do the work that they do. And that sounds really exciting. And I think for freeing us up to be able to do the exciting events, the exciting projects to, you know, pick a, a town, a city, a community, anywhere in the world um, and do a series of them every year and take Rebel Business School, Rebel Finance School on tour. And, you know, running stuff like that is really exciting. And I think you know, just as a quick example, you know, we've got someone in our team who's got Somali heritage and, you know, let's go to Somalia and run an event there. Let's go to Detroit and run an event there. Let's go to Swindon. Let's go to, you know, Glasgow. Let's go to wherever. Like, you can just pick and choose. I think we spend a lot of time dealing with the complexities of multiple stakeholders and trying to sort of tread that line between a the game that the public sector need us to to play in order to, to justify the expenditure and doing the work that we know that needs to be done. And there's often a tension between the two. And it's interesting work and it's challenging work. But actually, if we didn't have that, we'd be able to have significantly more impact. We'd get so much more done. We would get so much more done if we didn't have to collect people's passport numbers the day before the course or whatever random thing is that people need to do we would get so much more done.
I'm now I'm in rant territory. Don't get me started on that stuff. Oh my lord! <laughs> I, like I, just, I, I found this 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 question, the next question, super interesting. Like, what is worst case scenario for you? And, and I again, this is one that I found super interesting to answer. Alan, like throwing it to you, like what do you think is worst case other than rebel just not existing for example uh, what's worst case scenario in five years well i think the worst case is we win big contracts and then we let people down because we didn't read the contract detail because they ask us to do something stupid that we thought we could do but it's not really fitting we don't do the paperwork properly we get a bad reputation that funder tells other funders it leads to our funding drying up and then the team think we're doing the right thing, but the team is kind of then becoming a victim of the funding structures. And we cry about how bad X is for forcing us to make people write business plans. And we become a victim and that kind of attitude then like spirals. The money dries up, we have to make redundancies. We can't con- keep on giving away the content. We can't keep on supporting people. We shrink, we shrivel. Like incredible members of staff, Halima, you, James, like you lose faith in the mission. You think the universe is against us. Companies and governments are not supporting us. They've changed, they've given up. We lose good talent. Like I wouldn't blame people. Like if that happened, like you'd need to get on with your own life and do your own thing. And if rebel isn't performing, if it's not living, if it's not doing its mission, worst case scenario is that just we die a slow, painful death. Simon runs out of money quickly and has to go and get a corporate job or do his solo contracting thing and stops doing it. Like we die a slow and painful death and it bleeds us dry of the emergency fund we built up for the first 10 years of business. That for me is the worst case scenario. It just like, it's real as well it's possible like we've had challenges with contracts we've come to the edge of these things but yeah it makes me feel it's a big watch out what he said it's like the doom guy end the podcast now and send everyone away depressed this is not (laughs) ideal you could like it's it's incredible what happens to the energy isn't it like because it's exactly the same space I found myself in answering that that question. I suddenly went, I don't really like this. I'm imagining a a not very nice world. And, you know, exactly, it was along exactly the same lines. Yeah. I think, like, there's one thing that I would add that, that I was, when I was looking at this, I thought the uh, the stuff I wrote down was about being exactly as we are in five years' time. So that, like, I think, Alan, you've painted a very bleak scenario and I think you've always been quite creative. You created something that, that sounds really uncomfortable to me and I'm spending the rest of this podcast on one butt cheek. Like that definitely does represent worst case scenario. The stuff where I went to was um, if we woke up in five years' time and the business was facing the same challenges that it faces now and was the same size, it was doing the same work, it was doing the same thing. I think that would be a pretty bad scenario for me. I think that that would demonstrate that we've not solved the stuff that we've that we've been working towards and dealing with for the last couple of years. And that to actually go, 
yeah, we're still having the same conversations about the same problems and the same issues would be hugely depressing for me. But at least we're fighting the good fight. Like in that scenario, at least still we're still in the, in the battle. Yeah. We're still in the yeah. game. We're fighting. Yeah. I always was more optimistic than you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't invite Alan to a party, anybody. Not when he's in this mood. Like the rest of the questions, great. Like his answers were so full of energy. But this one, wow. Well, you ask me a question, I go full in. Like I think about stuff and I try I and work that stuff out. I know. Look at the lines on my face. I'm only 24 years old. <laughs> You're not fooling anyone there, Simon. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> Millennial. So, like, let's dive into likelihood of this, of this stuff. So, like, we've sort of jumped into best case. We've jumped into worst case. How likely are each of those scenarios? I think that relates kind of a, a lot to what you were just talking about, Simon. Like, and, and, and looking at those two, how do the steps that Rebel will take differ leading up to both. So how likely is that, Simon, do you think? I'd like to think that the changes that we've made and that we are making are like going some way, actually talk to pointing towards the risk that Alan's highlighted. And uh, there is a an energy and focus in the team uh, that comes from the top, Henry. Like your your positive energy and your uh, focus on process, on empowering the team, on on you know all of us, all of us working towards that of making things better. I think we are innovating. I think we are you know creating new versions of what we do and how we do it and moving with the times. And equally, um, we've got some good people, and they've realised how important it is for them to take some of your workload, for example, sort of spreading some of that um, that leadership need across others in the team rather than it being more of a, you know, a pyramid shape over the last few years is actually sort of flattening it out and spreading that responsibility so that our team can feel that they're learning, that they're empowered, that they can make a difference, that they can solve the problems. And, and it's started to notice recently that there's people sort of stepping in and really taking ownership. So that plus innovation keeps me excited as long as the sales keep coming. And I think, how likely is it? I think because of those things, I'd like to think it's not that likely. That said, there are some changes in our space. There are some changes in funding. The cost of living crisis has impacted every single business and every single organization in the country. And that's changed the behavior of, um, you know, this, the funding streams have changed. And actually, that's the reason why Rebel exists is because we figured out an alternative funding stream back in 2012. So, um, so this is this is one of those moments where we have to innovate and we have to to work at pace. Yeah, I love that, Alan. What about you? How likely are each of these scenarios for you? So you're probably not going to like my answer, um, but I think actually the more likely scenario is the bad one. But then I think about it and I think. That's always been the case. And we've always found a way to make it happen. The bad case scenarios, quite lucky, like it take likely, it takes one bad contract, one bad word of mouth, and you're fighting uphill. Um, but that's always been the case. And we've taken this business against all odds and made it happen. So I think like you just have to be aware of the bad case. 
and then avoid it actually happen and focus on what you actually want to do. I think I then thought, well, we never seem to be able to get the money to invest to get to FI. We've actually fallen prey to the corporate version of lifestyle inflation. Each new contract we get, we hire more people, we spend more money. Um, we're not investing. That bit I struggle with. Um, like It's really tough, isn't it? What's the actual likelihood? If it's a 50-50 dice roll. Like we could, we could nail it. We could go the other way. You're kind of on a knife edge. Um, I'd say there's a 10% chance of the dream version, mainly because it's like my dream and I haven't fully shared it properly and I haven't led it and I haven't made it happen. Um, so I need to like help other people see that and help create it. Uh, yeah, it's challenging, isn't it? I think there is a high probability that it goes wrong. But then the incredible people we've got always seem to manage to turn it around, create something amazing. Yeah. So I think we should actually embrace the bad case scenario, share it with the whole team, look at it and then go, how do we actually avoid it? Yeah, I agree. I massively agree. That that was really going to be my build was like, I, I do believe that like the people we've got in the team, and, and the belief that we have as a team won't let one of those happen. Uh, you know, I, I think we're so, there is just this unreasonable belief that we are going to create something absolutely catastrophic to massively impact the world positively. Um, and I think that belief carries us through that positive change. I think you're right. The, the bit you've just highlighted then is actually getting us to be aware of what happens if we don't make some changes. Um, and just like looking at focusing on funding, for example, like we've never truly cracked corporate funding. Uh, and it's something that we've been thinking about, something we've been talking about. But all it takes is a change of government. All it takes is a, something like a pandemic. You know, it, it doesn't have to be, it's not this unrealistic expectation that the world might have a shift. Um, and I think it's something that we need to really put the pedal down on and and like I say, make people aware of what could happen. Like this is the, the anti-five-year plan this is what we don't want but here's what we need to watch out for here's our biggest risk currently as a business so i think i think that's super important and you know for everybody listening you should always always have sight of of the risk always know what the the potential bad side of this stuff is so that you know what you need to avoid because once you get those steps and that's what we're talking about now once you get the clear on those steps that you take to get there you know exactly what you need to avoid doing um yeah I, I'm I'm fully bought in and I mean it'd be weird if I wasn't fully bought in to make that dream version what we're aiming for. But that that is the plan. And you know, if we don't get there, let's record this podcast again on the thirty first of December twenty twenty nine and I will live in front of all of these people record the video. I will eat my own hat uh if we aren't in that position. I love that. I love that. So this has been an incredible journey through this stuff. I think it's coming to the point where we need to wrap up. What I'd love from each of you is the closing thoughts for the audience. Like, what would you want them to take from this episode? What do you want them to do next? What do you want them to think? What's the value in this episode for the people listening? I would love that. So, Simon, if you would, lead us into the value. So here's the bit for me. A recent realisation, fear is a signpost. Fear isn't something to be scared of, ironically. 
fear is pointing you in the direction of learning and growth. So, so what I love about that last question that we've explored, it's the things that are quite scary and they're quite uncomfortable. And you've got two options. You can either keep running and ignore it and pretend that it's not there, or you can turn your boat around and head towards the missiles that are coming. Because actually, you know, that's going to tell you what you need to do to dodge them. And for me, if you, are, if you know what it is that you're scared of, your chances of resolving that issue and doing the things that you need to do to prevent it from happening increase dramatically. Fear is your signpost. I love that. I love that, Simon. Um, yeah. So if you're feeling fear about something, lean into it and find out what it's telling you. Henry, what was your thought for the audience that are listening? I think for me, a lot of these questions are questions that you'll get asked at the very, very start of starting a business. Where do you see yourself in five years? What's the process? What does it look like? What's the outcome? What's the end goal? It's okay not to know. I think the important thing for me here is it's about loving the journey. Like, um, Alan, you said this earlier in the episode, right at the start, like the journey is the thing that's important. If we're not having fun with our day to day, then what's the point? Because once you get to that end goal, whatever that looks like for you, it doesn't magically solve all your problems. The journey that you're on day to day is the most important thing. And I think just to take some of the pressure off as well, like sometimes simplifying might be the thing that you need to do. You don't need to add a whole bunch of complex outcomes. You don't need to have this incredible end goal. Like it's okay not to know, simplify everything and find happy in the middle and enjoy every single day of this journey. Thank you, Henry. Beautifully said. Um, so thank you, gentlemen. I'm going to give my closing thoughts. Thank you, gentlemen, for being on the podcast. I love working with you. Henry, I'm excited to see where you take the business. Simon, I'm excited for your new role and what you're building. This is going to be fun. My closing message for everyone listening is... There's actually three time frames you can spend your time in. You can spend your time in the past, thinking about the past, reflecting on what's happened, lamenting what's happened. You can spend your time in the present, doing things right now, being active. You can spend your time in the future, imagining bad futures or good futures and thinking about things. And actually from all of this, what I wanted to say to you is, spend some time in the past, learning so that you can learn from what's happened in the past then spend some time in the future imagining bright futures that you can create imagining where you want to be in the future and then always come back to the present and take action towards that bright future learn from the past imagine a bright future take action in the present and speaking of action in the present it's time. Go do something. Thank you for listening to The Rebel Entrepreneur.